Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, it's Sinead O'Moore, and this is a brand new season of Stretch Marks. Season three is supported by Vitabiotics, who, with Pregnicare, WellKid, WellWoman and WellMan, have a product range to support us throughout every stretch of family life. This episode is about separation anxiety, mainly to do with the anxiety in our children, if they're away from us or if we're away from them. But keep listening to hear how, as co-creators of Stretch Marks, we are having our own kind of podcast separation anxiety. If you've loved the show so far and it's not too much of a stretch, I'd love if you could please do something really small for me, which can make a really big difference. Just hit subscribe or rate or even share. Okay, here we go. Let's stretch. It's been a while, but we are back with season three, or at least the we are back for episode one of season three. Oh my God, I can't even remember the last time we recorded, but a lot has changed and a lot will change going forward. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, we are here to talk about separation anxiety, yep. largely to do with our children and ourselves. Uh, but also to do with you and I, because we started Stretch Marks as a duo. And for the next season, other than this episode, I will be taking it on in a one-to-one capacity with, with me and amazing guests diving into their deep stretches. I think it's just a very natural um, evolution of the podcast. I feel like we had, well, we had two really solid seasons of some really deep chats, deep stretch chats with ourselves. And now it's kind of time to open up the conversation to other people's experiences. I think we were also very stretched as individuals. Yes. You have owning it and real time, which you'll talk about in a second. And also I was doing these one to one interviews, which were having such a powerful impact on the Every Mum the Podcast, which um, if you saw my post in December, that also came to its its natural evolutionary end. Um, but I still feel like I miss them you in my the life chaff, like I need. miss them in my mm-hmm. life so even if nobody listens but please do I miss them in my life I love sitting down with new people and just being like take me back tell me from day one what's going on with your deep stretches I still desperately want to keep all the polls all the questions having the audience's voice brought into each episode but I really want to just dive in and just talk to lots of different guests about their individual deep stretches they won't all be parenting based they won't all be parents. Okay. There's probably going to be a theme of parenting. It's probably I'm going through this deep stretch while I happen to be a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to open it up and not just focus on as we have, you know, the pregnancy stretch, the trying to conceive stretch, the, the labor the stretch. Perineum. Yeah, <laughs> I want to get into the life stretch. You know, what we're going through, whether it's the cost of living stretch, the, the, the trying to work and pay and live and, and have a fulfilling life stretch. 
all of the things that we're going through as adults and we just happen to also be bringing our children along with us. They are the stretches that you don't expect or you think that yeah, by there's then no book for. you think you'll have bounced back I mean I don't mean figure wise I mean like you'll you'll know what you're doing but then it's suddenly you're parenting a little person with a personality like we were just saying or if you have multiple kids several different potentially clashing personalities mm-hmm. and you're expected to work and do all these things the stretch as they get older in some ways gets bigger um, and it, oh, ha- yeah. it has it has been for me so far Um also, yeah, on the subject of us both being stretched, I think it's important to note that sometimes when people see things going in a different direction, they might assume, oh, like it wasn't working or it failed. I th- well, obviously we hate each other. Well, obviously. But you have to sometimes be willing to step back from something and prioritise when you're stretched. And the thing that I've had to step back from is this. Mostly because my son went and dropped his nap. I lost two hours of my working day, 10 hours a week in which I had time to catch up on other bits. It's gone now. So I have even less of a window to cram everything in. And this year I have decided, well, I know I actually told you, I was like, I'm going to write my, start writing my book in January. It's February. I haven't started. I have a document open, but I need to get back into book writing. And there's, you, you don't do that with a little half an hour here and no, there. No, you, you don't dip in and out. You need dedicated time, which I still don't really have. I think I need more like full days in a nice cabin log fire by the woods with a little lake and blanket. And Are you Diane Keating in this Yes, in this book? ideally, yeah. Little pole and neck. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just a changing of, a reorganising of, of priorities and having to do what you have to do in the time that you have it and be just really okay with that. And let the, like, you know, I still want this podcast to keep going. So it's like, how can we make it work for where we're at in this stretch right now? I'm not doing the personal one-to-one interviews anymore. I miss them. Yeah. You want to get into the book, which means you don't have enough time to dedicate this full season. So it's like, cool. Yeah. Let me go talk to strangers. But if people are devastated to think that I'm leaving, I'm not really. I will be back the odd time. <laughs> Friend for of the show. Friend, Friend of, the, of show. the show. And who's to say we won't you know, join forces again on something yeah, more specific? I think we'll, in, we'll weave in, in and out. Course. We'll yeah. definitely weave Look, in I'm and out. I'm always here if you need the chats. Well, I know that. It's just some of them we can't record and put on the internet. <laughs> a lot of them. Oh, my God. Separation anxiety. I have anxiety without you going forward, but we'll be OK. Uh, but what's going on Well, the good life? thing, the good thing about separation anxiety when you're the adult is that you can recognise it and very quickly manage it and mm. resolve it with children. But with good to say that even as adults... We feel it. Do you oh, know what absolutely. I mean? Like, it's... I'm heading into this, like, obviously, I've been doing podcasting now for so many years. I know it'll be fine. But even that little change of like, okay, we're doing this without Caroline this season. I'm like, there's, you know, I'm a grown ass adult. I have lived a life. And yet, even in the like the little pit of the belly, there's like, a oh, yeah. okay. So, of course, it's, our kids are going to feel that hugely. It's stepping away from a comfort that you feel you relied upon, I suppose. And it's absolutely can carry through to adulthood. Um, it's quite common in teenagers as well. and But obviously, it's most acute in young kids. And I, I'm i in the throes of it now with my little man, Caelan. Um, I think it's the perfect example of what you just said there, that sometimes we expect these challenges to be very early on. Yeah. Um, did it become a bit of a surprise to you as you felt, oh, he's getting older now, things are going to loosen up a little bit more, yeah. but actually the rain is kind of getting tighter? And that's what I found the hardest is that I I kept thinking in in those first throws of difficulty, you know, the first year that like, okay, you know, when he's two, two and a half, oh my God, we'll be flying. It'll be so easy. He'll be so confident. And actually hit speed bumps and can make you feel as if you're being pulled backwards or it's getting harder before it maybe gets easier. Um, so with Kaylin, it's a combination of 
learning bit by bit just how highly sensitive a child he is and in his nature um, that that's not uh, one of the hardest parts of it is trying to not think that's my fault or my doing um, working with that but as part of being a highly sensitive person he is very uh, prone towards separation anxiety I think it affects I know your polls will tell you anyway but mm. it, it's a really really common it's a very developmentally appropriate thing for them to go through but it's really hard on the parent and and in my experience from having chats with people it's really hard on the mother because it's usually the mother that the child lashes onto and has a difficulty separating from or or the person who's the primary caregiver so I spend most of the time with Caelan I'm with him every day from half twelve on if Barry was that way with him if he didn't work full time it would probably be him that would be really nice um, but it's just yeah this really visceral fear response that he can have when you have to be apart from him and it makes so much sense when you think about it like they don't understand they don't have the regulation they can't understand why you're leaving Um, and you know obviously you would love to just give them what they want all the time but I know that that also won't help things in the long term Um, but what's been really hard about it is knowing how to respond to it and I think I'm getting there now but there's such a conflict between this old school attitude of tough love and you know let them just have a cry they'll be fine it happens to all kids when they go to crash, and actually trusting your gut and saying no I don't feel right about this I want my baby to feel a little bit more responded to in the moment so that he's can wrap his head around the fact that yes mommy will go but she will always come back um so it's definitely been a bit bit of a conflict in in terms of even like parental approaches like grandparent sort of you know I just go he'd be fine and I'm like I don't want to just go right now because I know my son and he's toddlers are sensitive anyway separation anxiety is hard anyway if you add in a highly sensitive kid it's just up several notches and I don't want him to feel such extreme stress response every time I go I want to you know so one of the biggest things I've learned is doing that whole um just sneaking off it's yeah, one of the worst the things Irish you can goodbye, do just it's one of the, you, know, you get away with it when they're 10 months old into the or kitchen and then gone yeah it's like oh yeah. he doesn't he's fine now he doesn't even notice that you're there but then if you're gone it's like hold on now I'm confused and I'm upset and now I don't trust you so mm. I've always felt like oh you know grandparents would say oh you're molly coddling him and everything that fucking word and I'm like no I'm giving my son a chance to be okay with the fact that mommy goes but mommy comes back and if it takes me a little minute longer to say okay mommy's going to go to work in five minutes but so I always I'm always 10 steps ahead of myself as a way to help him process it and say but we can read one more book before I go or we can play with one more thing and then I we play it or we read the book and then um he'll say okay mommy go to work now and then I can go away feeling like I'm okay and he's okay and then he's perfectly fine. But if I keep mm. pulling away, being like, no, you have to just deal with it. It's so hard on me and it's just But do so you think he reads that as well though? Like, so in my experience, no. so I, I I think I don't have as highly sensitive no. a child as you, okay? Yeah. So, and this is the thing about all of these discussions. There is no blanket here's how you need to do it. You Like everybody needs to look at the child that they have and figure out what works for them. And no strategy is perfect. But on like how I've felt that is if I'm stressed, they certainly pick up on my stress and their response is way higher. If I'm trying to overly manage them because then mm-hmm. they think that there's a reason they need to be managed so they're like well hang on if you're making a big deal at a not a big deal but like if you're feeling something maybe there is threat coming so i think that they that that threat response in me would kick off more so if i just shut the door on him 
Whereas I'm very calm in it and I say, okay, mommy has to go to work now. It's non-negotiable. I have to go to work, but mommy will be back later. And it's just little deals here and there that help Mm. him feel like he's part of the decision making process. And, um, but I still have to follow through and leave. So even if he's upset and I leave, I'm still gone. I've told him I'll come back. And sometimes that still happens. I'm not, I'm not avoiding the bomb going off every single time because that then would be me accommodating to him so much. Um, but yeah, and of course there are times where like I have to go out the door, there's a taxi waiting for me or something and he is kicking off and I know he will be fine. But I want to help him with his separation anxiety by giving him the benefit of the doubt of actually he's aware of a lot more than you'd ever give them credit for and he can understand a lot more and talking about it in advance as well. So like, you know, mommy's going to be going to work tomorrow and that's and he'd be like, don't want mommy to go to work tomorrow. But that's okay. Sometimes mommy has to go to work. And so like trying to talk through the things that are that they struggle with in terms of separation when they're not in that moment of heightened, hold on, you're leaving me now. Yeah. Um, it's been really helpful. I think one of the things that's been really uh, hard is this, the paradox of dependency, which I've learned about, which is the fear, like you say, that if you if you respond to them so much or you're saying, okay, you know, mommy's, mommy's here all the time, then you're making them more dependent on you. But mm. actually, an overwhelming amount of research shows that the more at this really formative age that you respond to them and let them know that they're secure and safe, it doesn't mean that you're giving in to them. It means you're responding to them. The more actually independent and confident they will, they will end up being. If you keep that whole thing of like, no, you have to be independent. This pre- this obsession with making kids be independent so quickly and it's across everything like sleep and everything. It's it's actually not, you're not doing something wrong. You're not creating a rod for your back by responding to your kids' needs at that age. Um, and Is that, that how you feel? Like, do you doubt yourself? Because I would never consider that. Well, I do because I think it's just, a, I think it's a generational thing that we grew up with. Our parents would have been more Actually, you be grand. Just leave it. And I mean, people say to me all the time, "I'm Molly coddling them," and I'm like, uh, "Okay." So I do feel mm. judged for responding to my son, or even in an example like just the other day. I hope they're not listening. Um, but we were in Barry's parents' house, and Kaylin was playing, and he walked into the corner of a glass table, and it was like a second delay, and then he was like, Ugh. and then his Barry's dad was like, "Don't, don't let him get upset. Don't let, just distract him," and then he just started bawling, crying, and I was like. It's okay to let him get upset. His emotions are okay. And he just needed 30 seconds to just have a little whinge. He hurt himself, have a little cuddle. And then he was like ready to go back and play again. Whereas I'm feeling like, oh, don't indulge in his upsetness. So that's kind of a source of it for me uh, that makes dealing with separation anxiety harder is what society expects of me to just... And even like the experiences that I've had, dropping him off at minders and things where they say, you're better off just dumping him and leaving and running out the door and no that's not going to work for my child and I have to be confident enough to say that that's it's not me being weak it's me responding to my particular child's mm. needs but there is a but huge I expectation I think that's also because Kaylin's needs and his sensitivity and his trauma responses can be higher that's why yeah but that their advice to you so I'm thinking of the childcare situation mm-hmm. Their advice to you, firstly, should be to listen to you, obviously. But what they're saying might have worked. Oh, yeah. Eight of the ten previous times with other children who might have had more experience being with more, like small children in noise, mm-hmm. in highly sensitized environments. So if you are in a position where you are 
beginning to go back to work and you have to start the crash situation and you have no choice but to do the drop and run. Yeah. For many women, there is no choice, regardless of what their child is experiencing. Mm-hmm. They have to do the drop and run and it's horrible. And I tried that and it with with Kaylin it wasn't it wasn't a case of, oh, give him a few minutes. He he had such a strong physical fear response and it, I approached it all wrong. Like, I'm talking about the time when I brought him to the minder and you know, mm. he'd never met her before, he'd never been there. There was no kind of gentle easing in that you would prepare for. You know, if you know right, I'm going back to work in two months, you'd probably go down and scope out the place. They get a little bit familiar, but they might meet the teacher. If yeah, you know settling that you're in period. If you know that your child is particularly attached to you. And I didn't all of this learning has come after that experience where I was like, Oh, that was very uh foolish of me to just think that he would be okay in that situation and and that kind of scarred me because, well, not only did she say, Look, some kids are she could have said, Look, some kids are just really sensitive, it takes a lot longer. She made me feel like there was something wrong with him. She's like, Jesus, is he? I've never, never in my 20 years of experience have I ever seen a kid react like this. And that broke my heart. It made me feel like there was something wrong with my child. Um, so now when it comes to like going to Montessori in September, which he will be, I'm very much like, okay, I have to carve out the time to start now and be available. And it's, and it's, I'm going to have to ask Barry probably to be available because I think it'll be a little bit easier for him to separate from Barry like for the first month yeah. or two of both yeah. of my children's initiations into crashes, one started when she was eight months old. The other started at 12 months old. Uh, I did. I had no, I was not visible at the crash for the first two months. Yeah. None of that was my world. Like I completely handed it over. Absolutely. I think dis, like the first distance is the distance between baby and primary, which is mm. you. And then it's, Okay, the world like there's other humans. Look at these other other yeah. tiny people to have the crack with. But if I still still if I'm the one, you know, to drop off my two year old, there will be more of a an upset. She runs in the door if her dad brings her. So I kind of thought that would be the case, and I had so he's with the minder now in the mornings, um, half in your home at home, half eight to half twelve, and so in in preparation for in trying to deal with the separation anxiety little by little at a pace that he could handle I booked in for a few different classes and play groups that they Mm. could go to together because I thought oh he'd be grand with her and uh, it's just gone so badly like where he would arrive and he kept saying no I want to go we'll go back later with mammy we'll go back later with mammy and I thought it would be better if there was just so much distance there from me and I almost think he need like if, if I went one time and he was like okay it's safe here you know, I can be here if if his source of comfort is there and can help settle his stress response in one situation. Maybe that will take the fear out of it for the next time he could try again. So he, I so just it kind of went against me where I was like, okay, now I think I need to go to a couple of play groups with him. So he's like, you're there, but I can step away. You're there, you know, as opposed to being like hmm. he didn't feel that safe without me there. And he went to um, they were I I booked him into Rainbow Phil. <laughs> Poor Rainbow Phil. I mean, kids love him and Kaylin just like was, couldn't cope with, he doesn't really like, he gets very overwhelmed with music and stuff. Um, If like kids start to sing and if, it's, if he's not expecting it to happen um, and he just started crying or like he wouldn't even get out of his buggy or he wouldn't even go in the door once and they had to just turn back. And I'm like waiting on a text from my mind or being like hoping that something will go well and like he'll just have a nice time or just inch a little bit further out of his comfort zone. And, and then when it doesn't happen, you know, and this is, this is, Partly separation anxiety, but partly just sensitivity. 
you know, your heart breaks because all you're doing is trying to help them get confident and in their own time feel safe enough to explore the world. And it's just really stressful when you feel like you're going backwards and they're getting more attached to you. And do you think that there's a sensory thing? Do you think because of no. the, the music and the loudness and kids screaming? and Well, I think there's, I mean, I don't think he has like a sensory processing thing. I think, I think it's highly sensitivity from experts that I've spoken to having described him at length. They're just saying, you know, that sounds exactly like what it is. And just, it's not, because he's, he's very social when he's comfortable. He's very happy with loudness when he's comfortable. It's more just like the other day they were at a play group and he was okay being there. And then they all gathered together to start singing and he wasn't prepared for that. And then he was like, started crying and wanted to go. So it's being taken by surprise a lot for him seems to be um, a trigger. Uh, are you worried about September? I'm very worried. I'm really worried. Um, I'm dreading it. And some people say, like a lot of people say, look, it, it'll probably be really hard for the first while and um, and then it'll be fine. And I'm prepared for that. And I'm going to clear, I mean, I have, I, uh, it's very lucky that I can try and clear the decks for that month or two to be, say like, this is my priority. Um, everything else can wait because I, I want to, ha- he's, he's my priority. I want to help him as best I can. I don't, if I can, I don't want to throw him in the deep end and run when I know what he's like and how hard that will be for him. Um, I know a lot of other kids just have that initial wobble and then they adjust and I just don't think he's that kid. Mm. Um, But I also really refute anything that suggests that like, and this is probably stresses me out, that people thinking that your kid is like that because you're giving off those vibes when it's so massively down to their nature and their window of tolerance that they come into the world with. And of course it stresses you out when your kid is seems to be stressed because you want nothing more for them than for them to be okay. But you could have two kids and have completely different natures. And you you know, my friend my friend um Aileen is like, you know, she would say herself like she's a ball of stress and her child is just so unbelievably chilled out. Mm. So it's not it's not a case of like Oh, you being relaxed. Because the thing is, like, I'm Oscar worthy level performance of being calm around him. And I think that's what I find so challenging at the end of the day, feeling spent, is that you're giving the absolute best, most calmest, most appropriate, patient version of yourself to help them through all their little wobbles. And then at the end of the day, you're like, okay, can I just really have permission to be myself now? Mm. Um, so I definitely am not ever letting him see me be stressed out um, and just wanting to comfort him. But it's just a stretch that I was not prepared for at all the extent at how stretchy it is um and it's a lot of a longer phase it's a much longer phase and it's not a phase like it's his no that's his personality you know yeah um and i'm sure people reassure me that he will grow up to be such a empathic or is it empathetic Um, empathic empathetic empathetic sounds like pathetic uh, person <laughs> and sensitive and kind and stuff and i and i'm looking forward to that but it's just it makes the early years very tricky did you feel, did you assume at this point, at this age, at this stage, you would be feeling more of a release? Yeah. And feeling like there was a, you know, an, a natural and kind separation between you both, that there was a little bit more freedom and autonomy and you didn't quite have to feel like you were 
concerned, I suppose, about his like. So in the way that we are in the beginning, we're so hyper vigilant around did the nap occur? Mm -hmm. Did the feed occur? Did, you know, safety? Let me check that nappy again to make sure there isn't the tiniest dribble of wee. You know, there's a real hyper vigilance. Do you feel like you're still trapped in that kind of mode because you're anticipating what might, you know, trigger a reaction or an upset within him? Probably not at such a granular level, but I devote an awful lot of my energy to worrying about him and that quote that you're only as happy as your least happy child. Mm. I mirror him to such an extent that's not healthy for me because I care so much about him. And if he's having a bad day, I can't just be like, well, I'm fine. Like, I'm fine. Mm. So I'm really like, I really have to learn that, especially like, so now as part of the separation anxiety, our glorious full night sleeps have taken a hit and I understand again it's like developmentally appropriate he's like hang on if I don't want you to leave me during the day I don't want you to leave me at night so we're working through that to help him feel more supported and that we're you know we're just outside we're just upstairs but I'm having to learn that okay and we had this chat ourselves as kids get older you know they're more aware they're going to be hopping out of the bed looking for you I need to know that him having a bad night doesn't have to derail me and my it's not my fault it's not you know I can still pick myself up again and, and, and carry on. Whereas I think I was holding myself to such a high standard um, of and fear that if, if... I think it's the fear that if like something goes wrong, it'll all unravel. You know, Unravel to what though? Like, like for example, with separation anxiety, you know, if he really... Ha- like when he had a bad reaction with that minder, like this, he, I just can't envision him ever toddling into Montessori confidently I'm you know and then someone said oh look we tried and it was really a disaster and we just had to pull him out and try again the next year so I had to have a chat with Barry and say I need to take the pressure off myself and say like if it doesn't work for me if, if he's not ready we can try again the next year it's not mandatory whereas I'm like oh my god Montessori's coming like I have to I have to try and help mm-hmm. him turn into this super fully well-adjusted toddler who's and it's just the comparison is so hard because of course kids are so easy to compare because they're so it's so about the milestones you know you're walking by schools or you're going to play dates and you've seen all these kids just so in their element and social and loving the music and everything and my little kid is there you know like hiding behind me like a little bird and it just breaks my heart I just want nothing more than for him to be confident and I just hope that by responding to him the way I do which I'm told is a really healthy way to do it. Exactly. It will pay dividends in the end. Um, it, he will eventually feel like secure and confident. Um, but like so much of that is part of why like I haven't even entertained the idea of another child yet because I just feel like he just is my absolute every ounce of mental energy goes on him. It's as long as you you know you have such a privileged position in that you have such you know, access to these experts that you get to talk to on owning it, uh-huh. who get to coach you through what feels normal. What Which I then share with everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> but that's, you know, yeah. it, it, it is incredible that you can, you know, sit down and talk to the absolute best when it comes to child psychology and figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it makes, sometimes do you think that it makes you think a lot about it then though because like you're you're constantly in a world like your whole career is is around figuring out how her brains work mm-hmm. figuring out you know how we're supposed to you know respond to things and adjust to things and get it right all the time do you yeah. feel like that's an added pressure on you because I feel like I approach every day in a there will be shit storms and I have no clue where they're coming from 
and I will try and respond as best I have within me in that very given moment. And mm. a lot of the time I get it wrong. Mm-hmm. And then I move on about my day. I, and I might reflect yeah. at 11 o'clock at night when I'm looking back at pictures going, oh, I love them, but I also wanted to kill them. Remember that time? Oh, when no, I, I feel like, like that. I feel like that all of the time. But I think... But I don't put as much pressure on myself because I feel like it's not my job to necessarily know what all the experts are saying in a, in a, in a no. mental health field in the way that you, in your position of the books and owning it, gives you access I, to. Anytime I've ever come up against a problem, I've been straight into, okay, what can I do to help solve it? Who can mm. I who can I talk to? Whether it's going and paying for it privately to get, you know, to reassure myself that of, of a little plan of action rather than just uh, catastrophizing and doing nothing. That's that's my coping mechanism is to say, okay, what can I do to help this? So again, I realised Caelan is getting more and more sensitive and that's really his nature. I wanted to learn what that meant and how best to support him, which would help both of us. And learning about the the toddler brain, the child brain has been so enormously helpful. Like the course I did with the little big little feelings um, has massively improved the tantrums um, and things like that. And just like I've learned so much. I'm so grateful. And it's because I've just dived headfirst in and be like, OK, I'm in a situation that I feel like I can't just glide through. I, I really wanted mm-hmm. to have some tools uh, to be able to know how to respond to him, um, whether it's and obviously there are things, you, you know, that tantrums just happen or, or there'll be situations where I have to separate from that I can't control and that's you know he needs to be okay with that you have had days away you have had like yeah. several nights so I so my perspective like in the last few years of never being able to like on the one hand I, ha- I haven't had those kind of visceral responses that you describe mm-hmm. okay but I also wouldn't haven't felt that I was in a position to leave Juliet at all at night time um well, Caelan was sleeping through the night and I wasn't breastfeeding, so it was like totally different. Yeah, I but even Once when he she was asleep, it was fine. But even when she was a year, year and a half, like mm-hmm. it's only recently that I felt like she'd even be OK when she wakes up in the morning to find I'm not there. Yeah. Um, Like it took a long time for for on both my girls to feel like, OK, I could remove myself. So I I think it's very, very normal, I suppose, for for parents to feel like that separation anxiety, but also on both sides. Oh, yeah. Like that I felt more anxious if I was to separate myself from a situation. The work and the and the the crash thing was enforced. Mm -hmm. If I had a choice, which I which I did on my second, like to delay it, I did. On my first, I didn't. It was eight months. The time was up. In she went. In hindsight, actually, I think she adjusted better because she was younger. Well, that's the thing I I often think if I had put him in crash earlier when he was so much more open and susceptible to just being malleable yeah. it would have been easier but then and so I beat myself up about that too and then people say look my kids went into crash and they still are screaming crying every day going in so it's not your fault that you haven't that you oh I feel like oh I kept him at home with a minder it's all my fault that he's now he's finding it so hard mm-hmm. you know and he was like there was times I think last two summers ago where we would go to a wedding and he wouldn't even notice us walking out the door and, which I was so envious yeah, of because and, I couldn't have a wee without Juliet screaming yeah, and now now it's gone the complete other way where I don't no one else can put him to bed or anything other I don't and I'm we have a wedding in June and I'm dreading it because we have to someone else will have to do it and that's become really tricky and um so now I've gotten it's the the, the likelihood of us going away for a night is so off the cards right now because I just wouldn't enjoy it now it's I could go away and leave him with Barry and once I'm gone and once he's okay with me being gone or even if he's not okay like he's fine then with Barry and he he hmm. wouldn't like he he's fine um but it's more so 
if we were both gone and leaving in someone else's hands that, that that would make me not have a good time but the big thing which is, is really very normal we, we've, yeah. we've never left like both of us have never left I've only left for one night last week the very first time I was an anxious mess we neither of us did you sleep? Uh, I slept from about one till six okay but I usually only get five hours anyway wow so but yeah he I but I would not be ready at all for us both to be gone mm-hmm. to, yeah. to for, for even you know a grandparent to put her down at night or to pick up like there's no do that, you feel that, that to you're me there is with, normal that, do you that's, feel that you're there with Penny oh god yeah Penny okay. wants to move in with my parents okay grand yeah yeah no completely she'd be oh, like that's comforting <laughs> every time I go over to a grandparent she's like can I just stay like indefinitely so oh my god um I so look forward if that is in my future that he will be that secure and confident. She's told she's like her own little person completely. But then, but Jew is, it's really bizarre because whilst actually, I mean, like there's a huge age gap between them, obviously, like massive changes occur in those three years, yeah. hugely. So don't, and don't, don't set up like a whole future vision of what he's going to be like. Um, they, they, they surprise us in so many different ways. Something that I w- would assume my eldest child would be incredibly confident and comfortable with because of her age and her nature and other things that she's experienced, she would freak out about mm-hmm. without warning mm-hmm. and just be like, absolutely not. Just no. And you're like, I was not expecting that at all. That's really annoying because I've paid a fortune for this experience. You know, or yeah. it, but in that moment, she's like, no, no, not here for that. And you're like, OK, I didn't know that about you. Thank you for telling me that. We'll figure something else out. On the other hand, I could have been completely over anticipating how my youngest will approach this situation mm-hmm. and how they will cope with whatever is going to happen next and breeze through it. And I'm like, hang on, I was totally focused on figuring out how to solve this and this happened instead. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, we don't know how in any given circumstance and usually when you kind of expect it to be even better, they can turn around, you know, like the whole thing of like bringing kids to like see Santa and they oh, have yeah. massive freak attacks. Yeah. And the, you have to ask yourself, it's like, are you the parent here for you? Or are you really trying to design a situation where your child feels like mm-hmm. comfortable? But it's like, I'm just here for that moment because I expect it to be a certain way. Yeah. And then it's not. And then on this, the the sleeping front. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it's very, very normal for parents to still be in that place where they have to support their children to sleep at night mm-hmm. or throughout the night. Or more so as they get into more toddler so age as they because get they're older. that much more aware and, and they can communicate it and, you know, they're like, I want to keep playing all day. I don't want you but to But also nightmares, bad dreams. Yeah, that's started something, happening. Something challenging happening in school and we'll get a little tap on the shoulder at four in the morning and all of a sudden something that we've been asking about all day to a wall of silence now mm-hmm. gets shared. So they they are little brains now and they're processing the world and it's while I think it's really brilliant that you do have contact with certain experts so that you can understand mm-hmm. the world and you and, and their little brains and you can feel like you're supporting yourself in how to approach it and you know and rebut I suppose where there is some sort of you know you should do it this way which regardless of the topic is nonsense because no one has your child. Yeah. Um. Also, it's still another situation of parenting where actually the stretch forces you to have to learn to go with the flow mm-hmm. and to not know. Like the next time you bring him to something, he could just like saunter in. You'd be like, I know. oh, wow, I didn't expect that. I think I feel like I've kind of gotten burnt a few times by thinking everything would be OK and then it being so not. And then it's probably 
made me a bit more anxious about it. Um, like the mostly the minder experience, which I struggled to let go of because I feel like that was like a tipping point where he just launched into like another realm of sensitivity after that. Um, but I've been told, look, it's you know these things happen, and it's not a case. I've not I've not permanently traumatized a child. Coughs and colds are a normal part of growing up, but there is nothing that knocks down the house of cards quite like when our kids get sick. I want to drop everything to be with them, but then the juggle and the guilt and the worry and the sleeplessness begins to stretch me until I fray. The relentless kids book stretch is one I think we all know and probably have the marks to prove it. So my goal is to keep them as well as I possibly can so that as a family we can continue to do as much as we possibly can. The award-winning WellKid is a carefully balanced range with nutritional support from toddler to tweens, as it is packed with 24 essential vitamins in tasty natural fruit flavours. WellKid helps you give your family the extra nutritional and immune system support they need, with all eight B-complex vitamins plus A, C, D and E. There is also WellKid Omega-3 plus an individual vitamin D supplement. Available in liquid, chewable, pastilles or gummies, this range supports all our fussy eaters and busy adventurers. With 50 years of innovation in nutritional science, Vitabiotics has been pushing boundaries to help our families feel at their very best. With products to suit all stages from preconception, pregnancy, postpartum and family life, including pregnant care, well kid, well woman and well man, Vitabiotics have created an award-winning range to suit every stretch of family life. Vitabiotics want to look after you through their supplemental range and by supporting this season of stretch marks. Food supplements must not replace a varied and balanced diet and a healthy lifestyle and you should always consult your doctor or pharmacist before using. But it is very, very normal. So we asked on the polls, separation anxiety is very normal, very understandable. Has your child ever shown signs of separation anxiety? 83% said yes. I actually expected that to be a little bit higher, Mm but 83% have said that they have seen signs of separation. Maybe it's the word anxiety in there. Anxiety to me says that it's a bigger response than just, mammy, where you gone? Yeah. Which, like, if I'm out and I you know, if I'm out with a friend in town and I'm shopping and I look and I don't know where they are in a particular aisle, I get a pang of, Jesus, where did that adult go? Yeah. So if your child is going, where it's a spectrum. Where's my mum gone? Like, yeah. of course they're going to have that feeling. But there is, there's separation anxiety, which is, like we said, so developmentally appropriate, yeah. so normal, different grade gradients of it. Um, what I didn't like learning was that there is like, if it's so extreme to the point that like your days are completely ruined by it, mm. then it, 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 you can eventually be told it's like separation anxiety disorder, which I just, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not even going there. So I don't think that's where we are. So it moves from a very normal feeling to like a clinical yeah, situation. Like, you know, yeah. Um, at what stage did it begin? And this kind of goes to the root of these kind of unexpected stretches that are mm-hmm. all ahead of us. Um, you know, some people think like, oh, the baby is stuck to mom. And that's separation anxiety. It's not. That's no. a completely normal way of keeping your child alive and them feeling secure. But 45% that it kicked in after 12 months. Yeah. So it's very much when child is expected to like be in the world mm-hmm. and experience things. And they're seeking that protection and that comfort. Um, if you were out the other side, when did it begin to resolve itself? You might not want to hear the answers to these What questions. is it, like seven or eight? Uh, well, I didn't go quite so high, but some 16% said around you know, the 18 month mark, 15% around the two year mark, 64%. Does it ever really end? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I don't think so. I don't need it to end. I just want him to have the coping mechanisms in place to yeah. understand that yes, mommy goes. And but he's that very young for nice. that. Yeah, he's very very young. And that's for why, that. I, with the the sensitivity coupled with the age that he's at, makes it so hard on the parent. You know, because they're trying so hard to support them, but they're not there yet. They're not there and yet. You still have to go he's to work, and you still have to go to bed. You and, know, and they're not. And, and it's the same with dropping them off at school. Yeah. Like they're five. They're still terrified. Like yeah. it's it doesn't. In my experience, it doesn't end. There is there is some separation related anxiety that'll come up. Recently, even we stopped a dance class because of separation anxiety, and even though she's doing other, just for whatever reason, other it's things. That class. Yeah. But then when we got down to it, it's because we don't go in with her. We go into swimming and we sit and watch. We go mm. to football. We stand on the sidelines and we watch. But at dancing, she goes in. The door gets closed and we pick her up in an hour. Okay. And that's why she chose, like, hated it. And we thought it was just dancing. She hated it. Hated it. It's separation anxiety. She's yeah. five and a half. I can so remember that feeling myself as a child. And we're like, but you go into school by yourself. Mm. And she's like, yeah, but I've got all my friends. <laughs> and there's an exposure therapy element as well there where, like, she's in school often enough for the, for that fear response to become neutralised and normal. Whereas yeah. if, if a random class is, like, once a week, it's just probably not often enough for her to be like, okay, this is okay. Yeah, um, but it comes makes, up it and it keeps so coming up, sense. and yeah. there's no end yeah. to it. How does separation anxiety show up within your child? I wanted to get a sense of can what what does it look like because I know it, people are like, is that it? Is that not like well, what should I be looking for? Before it became apparent that it was separation anxiety to me, the way it would show up for us was that he would be fine when we were gone, but then we'd come back from you know a wedding or something, and then three days after he'd be like a limpet, you know, yeah, and yeah, it yeah. would almost be like a delayed reaction. It's like we have to pay for it Don't now. You go again. It's like hang on. I just realised now that you were gone. And yeah. that can be it starting, I think. I think my dog as a child used to do that. Yeah, I think he dogs do that. He used to give out like for days after yeah. if we like, have left him for a while. Yeah. Um, sad, crying, wants hugs, crying tantrums, not wanting to go to crash one day, fine the next. Saying mama or dada or being super clingy, like wanting to get in under my clothes almost. I know that. <laughs> I know that one. Um, yeah, so I had my first night away recently. And as soon as I came home, I was actually really surprised. Juliet was super happy. She ran to the door. She was like, mommy, mommy, mommy. Um, and then we chatted for a while. We played for a while. And then she wanted to cuddle. And like straight away when she was on me, she passed out. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that's her little anxiety coming out. That's yeah. like, oh, she's back. Yeah. I, can, I can melt in. That's so sweet. Crying when I leave the house, clinging on during activities or when she sees strangers, cries when I leave him, struggles going into nursery, crying when being put up for a nap, bed and during the night, crying, clinging, calling out, looking for me, wanting to stay with me at bedtime. Like I could keep moving my thumb so at to night, the point yeah. of. <laughs> at night time, it's when a lot of people really feel it. And it's it's the same in adults that, you know, when we're sleeping, when we're tired, the part of our brain, the little bit that they do have that could help them make sense of it is completely offline. So they're just on primal you know, fear response and makes yeah. everything. So they're just like, I don't care if you're saying you'll come back. I do you ever think it's really weird that societally we think it's really normal for adults to sleep with another adult? Yeah. But for children to be expected to go into yeah. dark room completely by themselves. Yeah. But it's entirely like, oh, <laughs> you're a couple now. You sleep together for safety, security. And, and now love. when Barry's not there, I don't sleep well because I'm just so used to it. But we tell our children, yeah. no, from the age of four months old, in <laughs> into that room with you, we're closing this door, pitch black, no light, we're not coming if you cry. Well, I know <laughs> we're absolutely to go to them when we cry. But that's but children are supposed to behave in a way that supports our sleep. Yeah, and which is to leave us alone. Behave in a way that supports our modern contemporary lifestyle, which is not the way they were designed. At all. They were supposed to be the ones in bed with us and the men were actually the ones supposed to be out finding yeah. our food. 
Now we're finding our own food. We're finding our own food. Um, concerned or accepting. So this is where I'm probably on the more of accepting side of things. But as I said, I have never experienced the extremes with which you have had. Therefore, I've not had to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's concerning when it's impacting your day and really distressing them. And yeah, yeah, there's three percent that are in concern mode. Uh, 42% feeling like it's a completely normal phase and 45% saying it's normal but there is a high level of emotion but they're still in a I'm feeling like it's very normal 3% I'm concerned I feel like also the that 3% you also have to count for uh, take account of the fact that the mother themselves might be a really highly sensitive person too Mm. and like I really struggle with um, a lack of consistency in things like that with my life so like just the the unpredictable nature of parenting I was like oh <laughs> like doesn't really suit me um, so it's I find it very emotionally draining and taxing um, but I do think I mean I think I've, I've come to a head with it recently but I think it was also very much coloured by I have very bad back pain that just makes everything seem so much harder to deal with and then when your nights start to be affected you're not sleeping you're like well I can't even my the my brain isn't firing on all cylinders um so I feel like I'm not hard on myself for the fact that I feel I have felt concerned or really overwhelmed by it because it makes sense to me and knowing myself that I would react this way to my son having a hard time do you know that separation anxiety can be a positive thing and a sign of a strong bond between you and your child Mm -hmm. so happy to see that 82% do agree that yes like they're not supposed to be, sorry, ma'am, I don't actually need you. Yeah. I, I'll get the bus to school. Yeah. You, you could probably be more concerned if that was yeah. their response. If, yeah. they, if they had no emotional attachment to you, I would have, I'd be far more concerned. Yeah. So 82% are aware of the yeah, attachment. Yeah, so the 18%, you know, it is a positive thing. It is incredibly draining on the parent. You desperately feel like, okay, we're ready for a break now. And this can come along and that's stressful. Mm-hmm. But know that it is a sign that you're doing a really good job and that they really love you and trust you. Yeah. A strong attachment is, it's funny because it can feel so like you're you're making them be so dependent on you and so needy, but actually they're feeling so safe and secure with you that they have such a hard time leaving you. It, it, it will, I, I know it will work out in the end as an adult. And I also think a huge part of my own experience of anxiety is probably not having my needs met as a, when I was his age and that's not don't mean to say that disrespectfully to my parents it was just they just didn't know then what we know now mm-hmm. they certainly got, they were learning from their parents their parents generation mm-hmm. which was even more leave them and let them get on with it um, but I still can still so remember feeling like Wednesdays was my favourite day ever in school so my mom would take a half day and pick me up and I felt so safe and calm and I just I can still feel that feeling of just my person is here everything was doable and easy and I'm like I still feel it. I can remember it so vividly how much I wanted and craved my mother, but she she had to work so much, you know, and mm. she had to travel an awful lot. So I was without her a lot, and yeah, I would say that has played a huge part in in my tendency towards anxiety as an adult. What about the parental separation anxiety? I am mm-hmm. a huge like huge, and I I just I never expected it in me. I thought I would sail away from them, being like I'm living my best life, and yeah. I would sit at a thing at a dinner, whatever, on my first, and like siren calls within my heart thumping yeah. go home go home go home go home go home um, and the absolute relief when you'd sit into that taxi and just be like take me back to my baby and I do think that's something that men don't feel 
to the same extent that yeah, we do. Yeah, possibly. Well, I think it's a hormonal link. I think it's... I well, think if you look at the text differences between when you're away versus when oh, you're... Oh, stop. Away. Yeah. But it's, like, do they eat? Do they poo? What, what does it look like? I believe in my soul that it's like an emotional... It's an emotional relativity to like the umbilical cord. It never... Like, so it can be physically cut, but it can't be emotionally cut. Yeah. Um. So what about parental separation anxiety? Did you experience anxiety when you were away from your child? 62%. Oh, yes. 38, sorry, 30% when they were young, but they're calmer now. I think I'm getting to that point. And 8%. No, no. Sail out the door. Oh, wow. So 62% in the oh, yes. 30 when they were younger. I even feel it if my eldest is having a sleepover. Of course, I'm delighted for her. Of course, there are no like rational threats. I'm not expecting call in the middle of the night to say she's upset. Will you come get her? But I still, um, it's it's a feeling like we're due to go to the airport. <laughs> you know that, you know, in, in yeah. the day when you know you have to go to the airport, that's my feeling all day until she returns. That will probably never change. Like you'll have 20 something year old daughters yeah. and you'll probably only feel Stop. at ease when they're both asleep under the your threat. roof. <laughs> the threat when they're out. Oh my God. I will actually follow them around. Yeah. That's a reason to get Botox. <laughs> Look as young as your daughter so you can stalk them. Okay, and do you think that there is a generational difference in how we now allow our children to feel their feelings? Something that you've uh-huh. expressed. 99% saying yes, we understand children much more now. So I think, again, I think I think you'd be hard pressed to find a parent of our generation who hasn't experienced something like that with the previous. And it's not to say that they're having a go at us, but they just, we were all taught different things. I was taught different things between my five-year-old and my two-year-old. Mm-hmm. Between what I would, the information and advice that was given when in 2017 versus 2020. Like it's, it's an impossible thing to keep up with. So I always just come back yeah. to follow the gut, you met, follow you, your child. You were talking earlier about the whole, you know, expert overload thing as well. But I do yeah. feel that so much of my response now is really instinctive and trust in my gut. And then the conversations that I've had with experts for my podcast have been really validating in, mm. in that the things that I, I wasn't looking up saying what's the right thing to do I was just learning that, that the way I was responding to him um, wasn't a terrible idea it was actually mm. probably really healthy helpful response so that's kind of more it's more um, reassuring than me like seeking out and 62% if, if we're if we're going to call that gentle parenting in terms of like responding to their needs where we meet them I know that there's loads of different terminology but in that sense of like not just kind of going get on with it will you but yeah. you know 62% did say that they fully agree but they find it so hard to implement which I'm probably in that camp and I don't think I do it every day I think yeah. I definitely hear things coming out of my mouth of like you're grand oh yeah <laughs> oh but look you know you have to take it in the context is of your leg your falling off no okay yeah. here's the plaster move on with life yeah like the other night I was trying to put him down and I was my doubled over back pain and I was actually almost like shouting at him and Barry was like Jesus Caroline like you have to speak with hushed tones at bedtime and I was like but he can't even hear me anyway so I was like just Caitlin you're tired you have to just go to bed and I just you know kind of lost it but I was like I, I wasn't going to be hard on myself about that I was keeping it together all day and I had nothing left in I the tank I think that's really normal yeah really normal yeah and in my experience, they need a bit of that too. I I have seen success. Yeah. Um, well, they I need have. to know you're the boss. You know? I have seen success. I've just been like, no, this is bedtime. End of. Like, yeah. So, whilst obviously I'm this like koala bear mama in the bed, just being like, for so long not being able to sleep train, there does come a point in my experience where it's like. This is happening there. I think it's kind of knowing the bed. difference between a behavioural thing you, where they're just like pushing boundaries versus they're yes. afraid. When, yes. when he's yes. afraid, yes. I yes. don't want to say get on with it. When he's pushing boundaries, I'm like, come on, you're taking the mick. But ultimately, 
do you feel coping with separation anxiety is yet another stretch that you were poorly prepared for? 84% said yes. Mm. I don't even think I was prepared for it or even aware of it when we started our podcast. Like it Really? Only, well, I, I just don't think, I think it was only kind of taking flight then. Didn't prepare it within your own family setting or didn't know that it was like no, going I just, to occur? Just, all the stretches that I just wasn't expecting this one or it wasn't on my radar. I was like, oh, here's another one. Even though you as a child felt it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. I mean, I don't think my parents would say they had, like, they struggled with it. <laughs> I just don't think, they, like, it would have impacted them. No, but you struggled with it. Yeah, no, but it's, I don't think they struggled with me struggling with it because I don't think they I... They were probably oblivious to it. Yeah. And I'm definitely not oblivious. Yeah. Episode one, season three, separation anxiety. Now it is time for us to separate for a while. Mm-hmm. We shall see what the future unfolds. Yes. You could get still incredibly busy with owning it. You could be in a whole other stretch. I could be in a whole other stretch. We don't know what the future... I would love if it just could be just a stretch break for a while for me. Please, now, come on. Yeah. Um, that's not <laughs> actually how it works, which is why this podcast may run indefinitely yeah. forever. Well, look, that's why it exists. That's why it exists. And that's why I do want to, you know, as I said in the beginning, I do want to extend it further out from... I certainly will be talking to people who I even know that are in the calendar booked that are in that first-term pregnancy space. Um... But I want to also talk about the areas of life that are stretching us that we weren't anticipating, but also that made us better. Like, yeah, we can't stay in our comfort zones forever, whether that's been like deciding to stay working in a particular way or living in a particular way or not dealing with a particular trauma and actually, you know, coming out the other side of it. And the stretch being I was ready to take care of me. And yes, I have the marks to prove it. But look where I am now. I'm fascinated with how people meet challenge and actually turn it into something that improves them. Yeah. And I feel like where when I went through, you know, my parenting stretches, they were so marked. <laughs> you know, they, they left their marks on me and they absolutely stretched me in ways that I didn't know. But I am glad for them. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's coming. I know that there'll be plenty more. But on reflection, I am glad for how I have adapted and stretched. And I need to talk to more people to figure out how to avoid that snap. Because I feel like for any of us, it's a bit of a sliding doors moment when we meet these new life stretches as they come up. And they can, for a time, absolutely envelop us. Um, and if we haven't got the internal resources there to to flow with whatever life is telling you to stretch with. But the older I'm getting, the more I'm witnessing oh, this whole like go to school, be a good girl, get married, have babies, live happily ever after isn't actually how it works. We get constantly stretched. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk to as many people as I possibly can to figure out how life has stretched them, how, you know, what the marks were that were left upon them, but also how did they grow as people and overcome these challenges and somehow be able to reflect and look back and say that was a positive growth. Yeah, I think even though a lot of what I've said here has sounded like very negative. I, I do think it's making me be very resilient and probably stronger than I would ever give myself credit for. Each time I feel like I've come through something, a little hurdle with him, you know, even though it seem, might seem insignificant to some, someone else, it, it will always feel like, OK, I've you know figured that bit out now. Now on to the next thing. Now into the next thing is next week I will be beginning a series of one-to-one guest interviews and talking to you back on my voice notes (laughs) and DMs. (laughs) It's been fun. Thank you for having me as a guest.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.